Welcome to The Paradigm Concept, hosted by myself, Dr. David Rollis, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. The Paradigm Concept will feature leaders and innovators in the healthcare industry, in particular dentistry, to help you find new, efficient, and innovative ways to build a world-class practice and deliver better patient care. At Paradigm Oral Health, we're all about shaping the future of our specialty, with a focus on putting the needs of the patient first. Learn more and subscribe today at ParadigmOralHealth.com. Hi, this is David Rollis, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health, and today I'm joined by Dr. Steve Weimer of Nebraska Oral and Facial Surgery, who's a partner of mine in Paradigm. I've had the privilege of getting to know Steve long before he became an oral surgeon and have been blessed to work with Steve since the first day the practice started in 2010. Steve, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, David. Steve is perhaps the hardest working person I know, and I'm going to compliment myself here, but I feel like when we talk, we almost finish each other's sentences. He, he probably finishes my sentence a little bit more intelligently than I would. And it definitely adds a different perspective to it and it really helps me learn. So I think everyone should get a lot out of this conversation, hopefully. It's really inspirationally working with Steve as he always pushes me to do more. And when it comes to doing more, no just does not seem to be a word in his vocabulary. So what I'd love to do is ask you a few questions, Steve, first about your path to oral surgery. And then secondly, how you've seen Paradigm evolve over the past decade, what you think has been critical to you know success with the practice, with Paradigm, with the life in general, I guess, and then how you see the future of your practice, the future of Paradigm, and the future of oral surgery. So if that sounds like a plan, I'll ask a few thoughts here. Yeah, thank you, David. I appreciate the very kind introduction. I would echo that to start that it's rare, I feel like, when you meet people that when you talk to them, it makes you want to run through a brick wall, just people that are very motivating and also push you. And, and I would echo that, that you've done the same for me at a pretty impressionable point in my life. As you said, we met in 2010. I was actually one of Dr. Rollis's first dental assistants. I just finished college and hadn't gotten into dental school yet. And so I was looking for more experience in the dental field to help bolster my application. And David was the only one who had called me back kind of on a chance. And so I interviewed with him and he's like, yeah, I'm not really sure what I'll have you do, but why don't you come in tomorrow? This is a Sunday afternoon, by the way, which I think is also very telling of kind of our relationship and just the work ethic behind our practice and then also paradigm. But I started working with David and my wife started working with David. Brittany has been along since the beginning of paradigm as well. And things have just really blossomed from there. I remember sitting at your house late at night with Katie and Brittany, and we were talking, you know, do we want to just kind of punch in, punch out, or do we want to create something very meaningful and create a legacy or really, really do something worthwhile? And that kind of guided our decision-making from the beginning. It was never, this is just one practice. And it was from day one, almost, we were making decisions about the practice, about the business, as if paradigm was already in existence. And fast forward 13 years later now, I was able to complete dental school, went to oral surgery residency and medical school at Mayo Clinic. And now I've been fortunate to return to kind of the practice that I worked at when I was newly graduated from college. It's been very surreal and very humbling. And it's just been great. The one thing I'll say about David and about our practice and about Paradigm is they've provided the opportunity, kind of the keys to the car and provided you with all the resources or provided me with all the resources that I could possibly dream of 
to help ensure success and just turned it over to me and to the other surgeons to I'll speak for everybody and kind of let's take that opportunity as far as they want to take it and do what they want to do and practice how they want to practice. So I'll say too, what motivated me to do oral surgery was kind of, David, your approach to patient care and that patient-centric focus that the needs of the patient are the only needs to be considered. And I really liked that and that struck a chord with me. And I thought, you know, that's kind of what I would want to do with my life. And so we've taken that, you know, I took that very seriously and, and kind of took that attitude and applied it towards everything in my life. And it's really nice to work in a practice that embodies that motto and also work for a or with a surgeon-led organization like Paradigm, where they really support the surgeon and the needs of the surgeon, but only so that the surgeons can then put the needs of the patient first and provides us the opportunity to use the most advanced techniques and technology and have all the resources we need to offer the best possible version of ourselves to our patients. Well, I think that the whole evolution of you with the business and helping develop the business like, you know, hopefully exemplifies you know, the perfect example, maybe once in a lifetime scenario where finding great talent, enormous energy, and sort of just learning together and getting to the point where there was not much more that I could help you with. It's like, you just needed to take everything that we had possibly developed and could take it much further than I could. And the way your practice has developed is just remarkable. It's been what, 18 months or something like that. And I, I think it's maybe the most productive practice in paradigm, maybe the entire country, but just to see how you've taken everything that you've learned over the past 12 years and fully synthesized it and put it into action. And I can remember like going back to how you talked about how you started and you've heard this story a million times, but I took the last two weeks off before residence or I've saved up my vacation and took the last two weeks so we could start the practice early. But, you know, hadn't fully thought through everything yet, I guess, in terms of all the, the staff that we'd need. And, you know, last minute trying to find uh, some additional help and was sitting in a Verizon store trying to change, or maybe it was Sprint, trying to get my cell number changed so that it would match, you know, our answering machine for calls that we were going to be hopefully getting the next day. And I was getting pretty frustrated. And my wife wisely told me, why don't you just leave and let me take care of this and go sit out in the car and cool down. <laughs> so I went out in the car and started going through emails and saw this email from Steve and, you know, sort of like just funny story about that. I had called him right away. I was like, oh, we got to get this guy right away. It looks like a great fit. And he said, yeah, I'll meet you right away. I can meet you at three o'clock this afternoon. I think the World Cup was on and we even like had it on in the background. So this was 2010. I think the U.S. was playing Ghana. And you know, I can like remember this day so vividly, but he called me back a few minutes later and said, oh, I got to tell you, I just got married last week and I promised to go on a walk with my wife. So we're going to have to reschedule this. So I was like, well, that that seems like a, you know, I sure would have liked to meet with him today, but that seems like a pretty valid excuse. So I was like, okay, well, we'll set up another time. And then I get a phone call again a minute later and he's like, okay, I rescheduled that walk. I'm good to go. <laughs> and I think that that sort of summarizes my experience with Steve is like anything relating to patient care, the practice, just going above and beyond at every opportunity. You know, he could have easily not rescheduled that that walk and likely ended up in the same place. But, you know, who knows, maybe the phone call wouldn't have gone through or, or whatever. So I feel like the harder you work, the luckier you get. And you seem to be pretty lucky. 
or work pretty hard. And we talked about that a lot in terms of working hard and maybe talk about a, a little bit about your background, because I think that, you know, how you grew up, that's probably pretty impactful to how you, you know, behave today. Yeah, I think so too. I appreciate you saying that. I'm from Nebraska, originally rural Nebraska. I grew up in a town of about 8,000 people and had really good parents that instilled early on that you just have to work hard and hard work will breed success and you'll be rewarded, but you just have to work hard first and foremost. And you have to be willing to do things that other people won't do. And I saw that in my my mom and my dad. And so kind of early on was just the expectation. I grew up from the time I was legally able to work until college, I'd work in the cornfields every every summer. And that's pretty terrible work actually. Now that I think back on it, it's very hard. But my friends all did it and that was just what we knew and that's what we did. And going through sports, I was big into wrestling and in high school and just kind of developing the mental toughness that I would later fall back on, you know, in dental school and in residency especially. You know, that was pretty influential, you know, looking back and having the benefit of hindsight. And then also seeing other people who have worked hard and had success and having a you know moderate amount of it myself and just kind of snowballs from there. And so my upbringing, obviously with everybody shapes who you are. And I was fortunate enough to have a good family. And my wife also has very high expectations. I mean, in a really, really positive way, I wouldn't want to go home to her if I didn't feel like I was meeting those expectations and a good surgeon and a good person. And so just the people that I feel like I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded with have held me to an expectation as well. That's kind of this normalized working hard and doing well. So I remember, you know, it's probably been 10 years since you told me this, but when you had you know, done this, those detasseling jobs and things that you had like gotten to the point where you were leading a crew. And that was probably, you know, in my observation of you working, you know, at every step in the practice, that was probably pretty valuable. And that working with a team in the office, your hand skills are only so much of the patient outcome, the patient experience. You know, there's a ton more that goes into it. I think that's what makes it really exciting. But seeing how you're able to sort of direct 12 years ago, other dental assistants or, or today, you know, your surgical team, I think delivers outsized results. And it makes it fun to come to work every day. When I was just talking to my team about this today, because we've been shorthanded and we've been really working hard. We've been doing a lot of surgery and I'm really proud of the people that I work with and proud to work with them because they all feel the exact same way. They're going to put their best foot forward for their patients, for our patients, and they work super hard. And so I think we've got the right people on the bus and we've got the bus headed in the right direction. And it's just a really incredible environment that allows you to do pretty incredible things. Patients comment on it all the time, how happy everybody is, how fun it is of an environment. And these are people that are going to have teeth removed, like one of the most anxiety provoking things you can do. And so, yeah, my team does a good job. And I think being put in leadership positions early on in life kind of helps you hone those skills and, and definitely has translated into working and leading the surgical team and in, in your in the office and, and working with with other people in that way. Yeah. I think that background just I'm probably biased and shaped by my own experiences, but learning the value of hard work and seeing, you know, how hard it is to do well and in what a lot of people have to go through to put food on the table is, is pretty humbling. You know, I used to clean construction sites as a child and like, you know, would work all summer for 
what we might get paid in a single morning or something like that and how hard our dental assistants and things have to work for certainly a good living, but maybe not the same type of reward that we have. So that I, I think really helps put it in perspective and then makes it not that hard to say yes to an extra emergency or see the extra consultation or whatever and someone who really wants to get in. So we started and you were intimately involved in kind of all aspects of the practice, just as we all sort of learned it early on. And, you know, it was a, almost like a bit of a family business at the onset, it felt like. And, you know, we quickly kind of became more sophisticated and had new surgeons join the practice, new locations, developed infrastructure, really, I think, invested well beyond maybe what we should have even done at the time. But, you know, it all worked out. And I remember you saying, you know, early on when I kind of made that decision, like to go down the path of, I guess, just investing in the quality of our business or our practice, you had said, you know, I guess you have to think about it. Do you want to just, you know, have a nice job and retire one day, or do you want to develop something that has a legacy? And we were in our, in the basement of my house. I remember when you said that, and I think we were stuffing post-op packets for patients with gauze or something like that. And that was really impactful. So I think we sort of all took that head on and went the extreme in terms of trying to develop something much bigger than any one of us. And, you know, where Paradigm has has gotten at this point, 12 years later, I guess maybe from your perspective, maybe describe that evolution. To kind of take off from your story there, David, I remember Brittany and I were young, newly married, we didn't have kids. And so, I don't know, several nights a week, we would have dinner with you at your house and we'd be talking about, you know, work or actually doing stuff or, you know, seeing patients late, never, never saying no to them. And so I think that that attitude, you know, looking back is really the nucleus of paradigm and just doing whatever it takes. And then as things have grown, it's fun to look back and just see how, okay, the first big hurdle was we're going to add a surgeon. And then we added several more, and then we're going to add another location. And then we added several more. And the growth is, is so alling almost. And seeing how that evolves and grows, we kind of have joked about this. Like, I don't think any of us would have expected to be where we are right now. But also, if you would have told me that that's where we ended up, I wouldn't have been surprised either. I feel like I just kind of strapped myself to a rocket. And it's been great. I get to work with super motivated people in that way. And the other thing, too, can What's very important, and we don't want to lose sight of this, that we've always done everything with the patient's needs in mind, and also dovetailing off of that is what our referring dental partners need. And so that's one thing that I really like about Paradigm, and I think what separates it from other larger organizations is that it is just very, very down-to-the-core patient-focus, referral-focus and based on a foundation of very hard work. So even though things have grown and changed in that way, a lot of the core principles have been there since day one 13 years ago. And I, I think it's, you know, from my perspective, kind of rewarding that we trained at the same place. We both did our residency and medical school training at Mayo Clinic, and maybe that shapes some of that background and that constantly talking about the needs of the patient come first, written all over the walls and magazines and everything and just an extremely professional place. So I'd like to think that we're upholding that, sure trying to, you know, definitely on a, on a much different scale and hundred years behind, but trying to emulate a lot of what we learned there, I think. And then the other thing that I thought was cool about Mayo, well, so many things, but just principally 
as I understand it, and maybe it's just a myth, but that a physician will always lead the Mayo Clinic, which I think, I mean, I think that has been the case. And I think that really kind of helps you be centered on understanding what it really means to take care of patients and really kind of going the extra mile, never cutting a corner, always going in and seeing the emergency or checking on the wound, or even though, you know, when you know it's probably, you know, 99 times out of 100, this is absolutely nothing. It's like, well, it's not going to hurt anything to check. That's something I really took out of there and just trying to carry yourself with the utmost professionalism, whether it's wearing a suit every day and leaving you know, the OR and going to the locker room and changing just to go see one consultation and come back. I sort of like really appreciated the discipline of that. I don't know if that was kind of the same experience you had there. Yeah, exactly. It was a very professional environment. You never know who you're talking to. Your patient could be somebody, could be a local farmer, or it could be the most preeminent cardiovascular surgeon in the world. You just never know. And, you know, as you know, we've treated as a destination medical center. So you treat pretty important people from around the world. And I think that that's the expectation is, and people rise to meet that expectation that you're going to do the right thing and you're going to work super hard to make sure that people have good outcomes and really a good experience along the way. I think after leaving there, it was kind of like, well, if we just start a practice and it stays out of practice, not just a practice, but if we don't create something a bit more meaningful, then, then it'd be hard to kind of measure up to what we had just left. So I think that was a pretty motivating force was to you know try to do something bigger than any one individual. So I guess sort of now fast forwarding to your practice that you've been in about the past year and a half or so, I was just looking at your schedule today and you know, it's sort of like a thing of beauty, the way you crafted it and, you know, the organization of it, you can, you know, I was looking at all the columns and the block scheduling and how things are sort of scheduled in tandem, but very thoughtfully to optimize, you know, sort of the privacy and patient experience in your time. And, and I think your schedule as it exists today, which means a lot of things, it means you've developed a team. It means you have the proper amount of space, tremendous amount of referrals to generate the demand. I really got a lot of appreciation looking at that. And then, of course, a decade of training, some of it just through osmosis, just working around oral surgery for a long time. But then, of course, formally in developing the skills to develop that or to be able to manage that schedule and get through that. And then going to your website and or your Google page and seeing what your reviews were, it was like very full circle. So maybe talk about how you think about schedule patient outcomes, patient experience, optimizing all of those things. Yeah. So like you said, I've had the benefit of just being around high achieving oral surgeons for 13 years now. And and that's the great thing too about Paradigm is you get to kind of sit in and listen and see how industry leaders, key opinion leaders are doing things and kind of take little bits of what they're doing and apply it to your practice. So the way I look at the schedule, I just absolutely despise keeping people waiting. And I hate when I go to a doctor's office and wait. So efficiency is like, I don't even know, I can't understate how important that is. And we run on time. If our patient's appointment is at 8.30, they're in the room at 8.30. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And my staff knows that that's the expectation. And and I have really good people in place that prepare each day to make sure that things go smoothly and we can meet those kind of often unspoken needs of the patient. And so it's all about, you know, I'm one person, obviously. So it's about when we design the schedule, it's about where am I going to be at any given 
point, then you get to be pretty accurate in knowing how long things will take you a consultation or a particular surgery. And so you can schedule things pretty efficiently based on that. And like you said, it's the culmination of a lot of people's hard work from the answering the phones, checking patients in, seeing the patients, doing the surgery, following up with patients. So it's a lot of things that have been very carefully thought through and are done very purposefully and with with intention. You see, I have a great blend of convenient same-day surgery and more complicated, you know, unhealthy patients and more complicated pre-consulted cases. And I've developed a really nice mix of those in an efficient way. Yeah. And I think it's this concept of immediacy also, if you're not, I feel like it's my duty to the dental community and to my patients to be available. And so having open procedure spots or just probably a more accurate way of saying is always saying yes to the emergency patient and making sure that I'm not booked out too far from my consultations for whatever reason. It's just really important to me that I'm very available. All of our surgeons, as you know, David, because you started this, we give out our cell phone numbers to patients. And so just letting patients know that we're here for them, the dentists know that we're here for them and their patients is, I think, really important and has been very helpful in quickly growing the practice here. And I suspect that as busy as you are and as booked out as you could be, you could probably get several patients in tomorrow if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. So there was a competing practice, kind of a competing practice that got a really bad review today. And so we reached out to the patient because they couldn't get him in initially for like 60 days, I think it was. So we called him and I said, I can see you today, tomorrow or Friday. And he was just like absolutely in awe and shocked and he's in pain. And so I felt bad for the guy and felt very strongly that we could help him. And so, you know, taking a potential rough spot that this guy's in and turning it into a positive and trying to help somebody out on a person to person level was really nice. So, yeah. That is spectacular. And you're an exceptionally trained surgeon, have one of the most beautiful facilities around and probably are busier than just about anybody I can think of, yet you're getting them in. They're getting into like, in my bias opinion, a much better option probably than than what they could get almost anywhere. And for some reference, you know, while we were talking here, I was looking through the data ecosystem just to understand what your year has been like in 2023. So I guess in the last less than five months, you've placed 449 implants and then an additional 46 full arches and 2,245 extractions. So I don't know how many sedations that equals or anesthesia is probably a thousand or, or more. So that just gives you some perspective about the fact that you're able to get somebody in tomorrow. I guess it makes us, makes us all feel bad, I guess, me included, that I, I could probably be working harder. So, well, that is awesome. It's hard to think about doing more or better or change at this point. But, you know, I always say, if this is as good as it gets, that's fine. Just don't tell me because I don't want to come to work tomorrow. So how do you see the future of your practice and what are your goals for the future broadly? That's a hard question for me to answer, but I think the best way to, to summarize it would be aim small, miss small. We really try and focus on very small things and making a difference with the patient experience with very small things. One thing I just did recently, for some reason, we always text our patients at the end of the day just to check in and make sure that they're doing well, which is very well received. 
And we would just do that usually for our patients that had, had sedation. But I just started doing that for everybody. I'm like, well, everybody needs the opportunity to communicate with me if possible. So just focusing on those really small details of the patient experience is what we're going to continue to work on. And also is patient education, especially when it comes to implants and full arch reconstruction options. Because I think, especially with the population shift the way it is, that's a service that's going to be in very high demand. And just being able to take a sometimes convoluted or confusing process and, and simplifying it in a way that's understandable for patients and for the referring dentist, that's something that we're continuing to work on as well. And then it's also just the subtleties of surgery and getting better, getting more experience and things. So to answer your question, just really the fine details is what I'm kind of, I'm buried in the weeds and that's exactly where I want to be with the patient experience and the surgical outcomes. I love what you're talking about, you know, the post-op contacts for patients and why not do all of them? I was just the other day, this is, sounds crazy probably, but I was just surfing the the web and this Joe Rogan podcast video popped up where he was interviewing David Goggins, the Navy yeah. SEAL endurance athlete. And someone had asked him like, what gets you through and you're, you know, hundred miles into a race and like, and he said like, well, you know, when I'm totally physically broken, mentally broken, my spirit's broken. I ask myself like, what if I finished the race? What if I could complete this? And that's to a much different degree, maybe. I love that. Well, what if we just went ahead and contacted every patient? I love the idea of trying to see how much you can do or, or how much you can improve things because I think you end up doing things that you didn't think you could accomplish. Like Paradigm, what we're now in 25 states, if you had said 10 years ago, like in our single location, like what if we were spread across half the country? It would have sounded crazy. You know, it turns out you can do it. And I think one thing that we've been able to do is if you ask yourself the question, why not? You know, I don't, at least personally, I, I'm not usually satisfied with the answer because it just comes down to want to and to your work ethic. So yeah, I said, well, why not do that? I don't have a good reason. So let's just do that. Well, we always talk about differentiating ourselves or optimizing our abilities through data technology and education. And I, I think we've done a really, really good job of, you know, developing tools, data ecosystem, now our own practice management software, what we've done with Full Arch and, you know, developing a fully digital pathway back in what, 2018 and, and optimizing that. How do you think about those things? You know, I know Full Arch is an area that you've really pushed the limits to what can be accomplished. I think the data that's available to us through our BI team and through everything that you guys have developed, David, with Paragon is incredible. It offers you insights into your practice that aren't available to anyone else. And it just makes you better. Like you can you can use data. We talk about evidence-based medicine or evidence-based dentistry. Well, we have evidence-based practice decisions because we know that the numbers behind why we do things, or we know if something's not working, that it needs to be addressed. So that's been very insightful and something that we've really utilized. And then as it relates to the full arch workflow, yeah, I practice in a very rural area, a town of about 20,000 people in the middle of Nebraska. And so to be able to bring that technology and that type of surgery or the possibilities of that kind of reconstruction to this area is something I'm really passionate about. And so I would expect, you know, continued 
investment in the technology as things become a little bit better with scanning and things like that. That's kind of the next horizon I see for our practice, the 4D photogrammetry and things along that line, and just making things more accurate. Again, aiming small and missing small. My passion has kind of become data and thinking about how you capture it, how you use it, how you make decisions. And I'm really proud of the work that you've done with clinical research and the extent that I've gotten to be a little bit involved as well. Maybe just lastly, talk about the anesthesia project and how that's evolved and what that's looking like and the opiate study as well. Yeah, actually, you and I had published a paper with with some people at Mayo back when I was at dental school, and I hadn't really been involved in research after that. But then when one of the anesthesia societal papers came out calling into question our the oral maxillofacial surgery team anesthesia model, it really struck a chord with me. So I was a resident at the time. I said, well, let's study our outcomes. Like there are a lot of retrospective reviews of cases in the literature. So we set out to do that and published the largest series of its kind, which was, we were lucky enough to win the Laskin Award for 2021 with that paper. And that kind of piqued my interest in anesthesia, especially. And so now that we're part of Paradigm, we're a part of Paradigm, you have the benefit of pooling a lot of data from a lot of different surgeons that practice a lot of different ways. And so with access to that data, we're able to kind of advocate for our specialty by publishing our results. And so we are putting together, we're almost done with the draft of another anesthesia manuscript that's about, I think, 63,000 patients right around there. And the previously largest study, which we had written in Mayo, was right around 18,000. So that's been a really nice thing about being a part of Paradigm is you have the opportunity to do that and we have access to large data. And also the data scientists that we have on our team are top notch with their AI and machine learning stuff that I don't fully understand, but there are other oral surgery practices that are using data scientists to inform their decision-making on both care, like we're talking about with the anesthesia or the administration of their practice. And then the other part of your question is kind of a quality improvement project for Paradigm. What we're doing is examining our opioid prescription habits and how that's evolved over the last 10 plus years with the prevalence of this opioid epidemic that everyone's aware of. And that's kind of the first phase. And then what we'll do is study, you know, exactly what is the best post-operative pain regimen. And we're using the help of our data scientists for that and other epidemiologists in this multi-center study with Paradigm, Mayo, Harvard, University of Cincinnati, and the University of Utah. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think that'll shed some light into what we're doing and if what we're doing actually works. And kind of as a corollary to that project, we're going to study how there will be an education campaign within Paradigm about safe prescribing habits. And I'm interested to see how different pedagogies affect that potentially or impact prescribing habits. And that's awesome. And I think we hope to have a million patients in that. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, there's no upper limit. I don't know how many there will be, but it will be in the hundreds of thousands. And then I think in the anesthesia review, the adverse event rate was what, 0.03% with no serious adverse events? That's right. You have zero deaths and points. And like you had said, which was, I think, half of what was reported in the Mayo study. So, Well, it sounds like oral surgeries probably are pretty safe providers of anesthesia, huh? I would say so. And it's nice to see that they reference your work in some of these 
or like through OMSNIC or whatever, they're happy to see the support of our model. And I think we have a unique in, you know, because of the data. And I see it as our responsibility to report that and advocate for our specialty. Well, I think it's it's an area that we've been able to leverage other resources that are used in other parts of our, our organization, our business. And Paradigm should not exist to be a business. It's a business to patient business. We're not a support organization. Everything we do should be direct, whether you're accounting, an accountant or a business intelligence analyst or the person that mows the yard. Everything we should do should be with the patient in mind. And that's been, I think, just an amazing example of where we've been able to take data scientists that maybe historically wouldn't have been so directly involved with patient care and help us in ways that we don't understand even in terms of machine learning and algorithm to draw insights into what might be safe. So I'm really excited to continue with those efforts and use the resources of Paradigm in unique ways that you know we haven't even thought of yet. So thanks, Steve. It was a pleasure visiting with you. And as always, I leave more inspired. So I appreciate all you do. And we'll have to do this again. I appreciate the opportunity, David. Thank you. You've been listening to The Paradigm Concept, brought to you by Paradigm Oral Health, an organization led and owned by surgeons passionate about shaping the future of our specialty and ensuring the needs of the patient come first. Learn more and subscribe to the show at ParadigmHealth.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on The Paradigm Concept.